If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce you to Beck Lee who's a wonderful first aid instructor and I know this because I've had um, done a first aid course with her myself. She works now as a full-time first aid teacher, but she has got a history with horses and has um, been a horse owner and a horse competitor. So I thought today would be an interesting conversation with her. So, Beck, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, hi, Glenn. It's really lovely to chat with you today. Um, my background is I've been a first aid instructor for about five years now, but I've Actually, in my sort of private life, I've been um, a horse rider and been competing probably since I was about 11 years old, right up till I was about 21. Um, during that time as well, I, uh, as I got a bit older, I worked as a veterinary nurse, emergency veterinary nurse for a long time, and then just sort of gradually made my way into first aid instructing and responding as well. Well, that sounds good. I didn't know you were a vet nurse. I was a vet nurse for a while as well, so I really enjoyed that. I was there for a couple of years, so um, yeah, I certainly enjoyed that. Now, um, what is your favourite quote? Well, my favourite quote's actually um, one that I really, truly love and try to live by is, be the change you wish to see in the world. That's a wonderful one. Mm, I yep. love that yep. quote. Yep. Now, Tell you tell me now, so be the change you wish to see in the world is a great quote. Tell me how that's changed your day-to-day -day life. Well, I think it's one thing that I think we can really just start small. We often sit around and gripe about how awful the world is and how everything's going the wrong way. And But really, if we can just start with the small steps, if you want to see the world get better, then something simple as looking after everybody around you, being kind being um, somebody who has humanity at the forefront of their heart, um, it'll just start. And if we all do it, it'll eventually grow globally. And I really love that. I love mm, stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's someone, I think if you've got that sort of an outlook, it draws people to you instead of a very pessimistic outlook that just, just repels people. Absolutely. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. No, that's great. All right. Now, we've talked about your main area of expertise and, and how you got into it. There was an incident that you did tell me about when you were 15 that involved horses and involved first aid. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. It really does stick out in my mind as a, a turning point for me. Uh, when I was about 15, I was at a gymkhana and one of my friends had a really nasty fall off her horse and eventually um, she lost consciousness and it was, it was quite a nasty fall. And I had done a bit of first aid in high school, not a lot. Yep. And I had been taught all about the action plan and what to do if someone was unconscious but still breathing, which she was. And so I followed all the right instructions and I popped her in the recovery position. However, at the time, I had a much more confident person, an older gentleman, come out of the crowd and start screaming at me, hurling abuse. Why would you roll her? You could make her paralyzed. She could never walk again. It's all going to be your fault. Uh -huh. and I, 
Well, as a 15-year-old, yeah, that doesn't That's give you a lot fine. of confidence. Yep, yep. Uh, all I had to tell him at the time was it was just because I was told to do it in first day. <laughs> Wow, wow. And isn't that great to know and to follow instructions of why you were told to do it, but just asking why you do things a certain way, you know, because you've explained it since then that, you know, just tell me a bit what you've found out since then. Like at the time you knew that was because it was told, I was told to do it, but tell me, tell me why. Well, really, the more you learn, the more compliant you become because you understand why you do things. And, um, the, the reason we put someone in the recovery position is that if they're unconscious and they're not breathing, oh, sorry, if they are breathing, have zero control of their airways if they lie on their back. They have risk of their tongue flopping back and occluding their airways or regurgitating stomach acids into their airway, which essentially will block it. And, of course, if we don't have our airways, we don't have anything. And yep, yep. So... The, the act of rolling someone in the recovery position allows, you know, if you're on your side for your body to, the fluids to drain out of your mouth and your tongue to flop to the side of your cheek. So you have better control of your, you, you can maintain an airway if they're on their side. Okay. Yep. Yep. I think, <laughs> I think that's important because, um, you know, if, to someone who hasn't had any first aid training or has had a little bit of first aid training, but a little way back, you know, may not be current with the current procedures and things. Um, I, I think that's a very important thing for them to be aware of. Exactly. And, and absolutely, uh, a spinal injury is one of the scariest condition, uh, uh, injuries you can come across. Yep. But just knowing that regardless of what injury the person sustains, they, they'll always need an airway. And so it'll always take precedence. We, by all means, do everything we can to manage the spine. We make sure we keep it nice and straight as we roll the person, supporting the head and neck. But it's always just very important to know what your priorities are and we, we need airways. That's, that's our number one priority. Mm, mm, no, that's good. Now, Beck, I want you to think back about your first, um, first introduction to horses. You know, the first time you rode, the first time. What, what was that? How did you get become riding? Because you've gone on and ridden and competed and, and done quite a lot, um, extensive work with horses. But what was your first introduction? I, I'm 100% sure that I was born obsessed with horses. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, okay. <laughs> um, but my first, I was thinking back and I was thinking about the first horse I ever made contact with. I was probably about four years old and my family went on a uh, trip out to Charters Towers and a family friend owned a farm out there and I remember this tiny little Shetland pony that I got to sit on top of. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they led him around a, a small yard and... I think that must have been it. That fed the, the – it fueled the fire. Okay, that's wonderful, wonderful. And and tell me then about how you went on then to actually get your first horse. How old were you, 11, 10? Uh, my first horse uh, – at that time I was about four years old. Um, my How I got my horse was like any any person who's born upset the horses, berating your parents until they finally <laughs> just crumble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it started with um, horse riding lessons, I think, when I was about 11, um, and that sort of gradually started to snowball, and then I first started to lease horses and then eventually purchased my own horse. It just sort of starts snowballing from more and more from there. Wow, wow, okay. And, and what about the first horse? Tell me a bit about the first horse you had. 
My first official yep. uh, horse that I owned was an absolutely stunning ex-race horse. Mm -hmm. um, and how old were you at that stage? I leased him when I was about 16 and yep. I think I finally purchased him at about 17 or 18. Okay. And he was massive. He was 17 hands. Wow. He was outstanding looking and just so beautiful. Just one of those special ones. You know, yep. you always have that special one. Yep, yep. <laughs> and yep. everything about this horse, he could do anything. He taught me patience in dressage. Yes. <laughs> um, he could jump, but he was also just so gentle and so kind. And I love that horse. He's he's always held a very special place in my heart. Even to this day, I think about him very fondly. Uh -huh. That's great. That's wonderful. All right. Now, just this is to our listeners. Is there any other um, instruction you'd like to give or any other really important points regarding the combination of first aid and horses? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think um, there's a lot of fear when an emergency happens and I completely understand that because you're never ready for a nasty fall or for something to go wrong and you can feel a lot of helplessness with it. And I think the thing with first aid is that you really have to take a moment to yourself just to take a very deep breath and go, okay, what do I need to do here? Action is very important, but also prioritising. The problem with um, being, I guess, exposed to an emergency is you're going to get an adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. And we love this chemical because it's helped us so many other times before. We've all felt adrenaline when we're pounding around the jumping course. Or... Oh, I know, I know, I know, you know, as a cross-country rider, people would say, oh, but I talked to you at jump number, you know, such and such, and you just, you know, like, didn't you see that? And you go, no, I was just focused on the next jump. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It gives us it, it tightens up those blood vessels and increases our heart rate so we can we can focus and we can take action. Mm. How, unfortunately it does come with a few side effects which can be the undoing of the first aider. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the major side effects I think we need to be aware of is adrenaline actually causes you to have tunnel vision. You lose your peripheral vision. And unfortunately, um, a lot of first aiders have become unstuck. They've gone, they've seen somebody fall and they've gone to help them and haven't really truly assessed, you know, is there possibly a risk of me becoming injured as well? Maybe they don't see that as they're running across the field, there's a pothole that they twist mm, their ankle mm, way mm. down. <laughs> That's right, because we're taught to make sure that the PowerPoints are off, but when you're out in the paddock, there's other, other dangers. Absolutely, yep. that's right. Um, is the horse themselves so panicked that we even we could get injured by yep. them as well? And so one of the biggest things I've always found as a major game changer with any emergency or any first aid I've ever had to do is to take a moment just to step back and take a deep breath. Okay. And while I'm doing that, I'll, I'll actually turn my head to side to side, look directly up, look down, and just make sure that I know what's going on around me. Have I looked for any other dangers that I might not be seeing because I don't have peripheral vision? Mm -hmm. You'll be surprised. Um, you might see something that you didn't even realise was actually there. So okay. that moment just allows you to truly assess, am I okay to enter into this mm -hmm. thing? And I think from there, once you do soundly assess it, then you can take necessary steps without sort of making um, making the wrong judgment or or putting yourself in a risky situation. Okay. Yep. Once you've actually made that judgment, it really starts to flow from there. What you need to do, and you just start to depict you start to pick things apart. And we do have an action plan that we teach 
um, as our foundation for first aid, our primary assessment, it's called Doctors ABCD, and it helps us as a cheat sheet to approach any first aid situation. So we do our dangerous assessment, and then once we deem it safe, we, we move forward to work out is the person conscious or unconscious by checking response, which is the R of the Doctors ABCD. And that can be just as simple as having a talk to the person, seeing if they vocalise back to us. And if they don't talk, then we can try, you know, touch them, like a little squeeze of the shoulders just to see if they can feel us. And we work out where we really are at with that person. So it's a really good cheat sheet like that. Now, if they are deemed unconscious, then we do follow our next steps, S being sent for help because yep. we definitely some bad need some backup. Sure, yep, yep. <laughs> Airways, because as I mentioned earlier, airways are everything to us. So looking in the mouth, seeing if there's anything going to block the airways. Um, next up will be breathing. Make sure their lungs are actually functioning, they're, they're breathing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if they're unconscious and they're still breathing, then we teach to roll into that recovery position for those reasons I was saying before, to yep. keep the airway nice and open. If we do come across somebody who's unconscious and not breathing, realistically the thing that we need to do is is take action. We need to do CPR. Now, CPR can be quite daunting, and by all means, it's, it's, it is certainly one of the, the most scariest situations you can be in first aid-wise. With this, um, obviously, in first aid courses, we teach you the confidence and the knowledge of how to apply really good CPR to somebody. Yep. However, if you don't have that knowledge and you're caught in a situation, just remember you're on the phone to triple zero, and they will guide you on how to do it. They'll, they'll teach you the steps over the phone. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the last step of um, the action plan is defibrillation, which is a massive game changer in the event of a cardiac arrest as to um, success with resuscitation. So if we do know that there is a defib on site, maybe we're at a club and they actually do have a defibrillation, def uh, defibrillator up in the uh, clubhouse, go and get somebody get to get one and bring it down. Yep. We have yep. this horrifying... Um, I guess Hollywood has a lot to blame for this one, but we have <laughs> horrifying um, visuals of a defib being almost like a car battery. <laughs> yes. Um, but they're really very user-friendly, very easy to use, and they actually do prompt you and guide you on the steps of um, how to use them. So if you do know that there is a defib around, I strongly encourage to go and get hold of it and to, to follow its prompts. Once you turn it on, it'll teach you exactly what you need to do. Okay. Yep. So yep. All right. that's a big, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry, keep going. That's wonderful. No, no, going, no, that's yeah. the same. There's a big thing with it. It's just follow your action plan. You can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that's great. I think that's going to be a lot of valuable advice. I mean, everyone does their first aid and everyone thinks about first aid just to make sure that they are compliant and, oh, no, it's another first aid course. I'm, I'm due <laughs> for another one. But it's the learning, you know, it's the learning that goes on within the first aid course that then you can just, you know, put out. Yeah, and hopefully you never need it. If you never, ever need your first aid, then that's brilliant. But if you do Absolutely. need it, then you need it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Absolutely right. I think that's the goal, isn't it, to have the skills but hopefully never have to use them. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. As a first aider, what has been the proudest moment? I've got a lot that um, – there are a lot of moments that do sort of spring to mind, but I think one of the absolute proudest where I got to really use my first aid and just feel incredibly, incredibly proud of myself for how quickly I responded was – Back um, when a friend of mine actually had her finger amputated from a dog bite. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. just like an animals that aren't predictable, are they? No. And the dog <laughs> was very stressed and um, yep. just moved too quickly, unfortunately. Mm. And um, 
it was just having that moment where it all just happened so rapidly and we just sprung straight into action. We removed the danger, which was the dog. We had somebody grab the dog and just, you know, remove it quite safely away and just jumping in straight away and managing her with her amputation and managing the shock that she obviously was going into, getting her um, to hospital as quickly as we could. And I'm proud with how everything went. It was a weird, eerie calmness that came over everybody and we all worked really well as a team and, I do look back on that very fondly. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now I'm going to throw you in the deep end and ask you your proudest moment just as a rider, oh, as a horse, rider, as a horse owner. I know you're pretty proud of your horse. Um, <laughs> you know, just something, a special moment that you might have had with him. May not be winning the Olympics, but just special <laughs> moments. Yeah. Um, look, it, it's funny because you can look back on all the shows that you did and the ribbons that you won and mm. you can be so proud. And I always was incredibly proud of myself when we did, um, you know, get a, a clear around and get a, a ribbon or a trophy at the end of the day. But I think the proudest moment for me was not so much the shows. It was how much of a bond my horse and I had. And really you can get so easily distracted and think that it is all about the ribbons, but really it comes back to a good team comes back to how bonded you are and how much of a good team you are at the paddock or, Mm, mm. and my horse and I actually had a really great bond and a lot of trust in each other. And um, there were times that you could really tell that he trusted me as well. I could, uh, there were days where he'd do the wonderful thing of knocking off a shoe, of course, and you come (laughs) in and where's that shoe? (laughs) So you'd be trolling the paddocks and the one thing that used to always make me think, yeah, we've got a great bond is my horse would actually follow me just inches, just <laughs> following me as if you was saying, I'll show you where it is. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yep. And that's yep. what I think to me just made me a really proud horse owner and horse rider was that we had a, a good team going. <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right. Now, what what about the future? What does the future hold for you? As as far as um, horses, I'm really happy now. I, I'm currently, unfortunately, horseless, which is really sad. Mm, mm. <laughs> but I do actually ride a lot for friends and help keep their horses exercised. And okay. on occasion, I do help and um, just do a little bit of on-the-ground training when um, friends need a little bit of extra help. Yep. Uh, as far as my career is concerned, where I go with my first aid from now is I'm going to just keep continuing to educate. And I'm... Mm-hmm hoping to get first aid into primary schools and teach primary school children to act with first aid as well because they're one of our greatest resources and assets. Mm, mm. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's the plan, getting into primary schools and teaching first aid as well. Well, that's a great plan, and I'm sure that there will be a lot of primary school children that will appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, hopefully they'll never have to use it, but if they do need to use first aid, at least they'll be, have a little bit of education. Exactly. That's yep. exactly right. Mm-hmm. All right. What about a book for our listeners? What would you? What was your favourite book, or what's a book that you'd recommend? Oh, favourite book that I'd recommend. Um, I'm just sort of thinking off the top of my head. There's um, I like a lot of uh, books that just sort of help you. I guess maybe this falls back to my my old quote of you know uh, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Yep. But I, I like to um enjoy just books that really make you quite present and mindful of how lucky you truly are and how to be a change. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the greatest ones that I've ever read, look, I will recommend anything by the Dalai Lama, who obviously has some fantastic books. Um, mm-hmm. 
based on, you know, just really being quite present. Yep. Another book that I absolutely adore um, along the same veins, a bit of an unusual one, it's called The Dude and the Zen Master. Okay. It's basically the same thing but very um, easy to read, very easy to digest, how to apply really good um, really good mindfulness to your day-to-day life. So I really do enjoy books like that. All right. I'm just writing that one down, The, d- the Dude and the Zen Master. Right, okay. but a really fun read. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Now, a message to leave people with today. Do you have mm. a message for them? I think keeping on um, the vein of first aid, look, I really think um, I, I, I'll always encourage people to get into a first aid course. A lot of people are motivated to do it just because work has told them to and they need that certificate. And it is nice to have an additional certificate for work, but... The reason that I know I teach it and a lot of us trainers are out there is because we want to get confident. And so I guess the biggest message is when you can, get yourself into a first aid course and we'll we'll be there. We'll be there to help you and get you confident so that you don't have that horrible feeling of helplessness. And that's a big thing for us is to help you get out there. So if you've ever been toying with it, get out there, get in a first aid course. Brilliant. Okay, all right, Beck. thank you very much for that and um, we'll close off now. Thank you, Glennis. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 